Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. Well, hello, everybody. Natalie is at the dojo again. She's doing all of her nonprofit ninja training, and she will hopefully be back with us next week. But, you know, they say that two things are inevitable inevitable in life, death and taxes. And you might be pretty sure where you're headed after death, but do you ever really wonder where your hard-earned money is going? Well, of course, that's to the government. Um, but working with the government can be tricky. Um, Irene Augustine has been on both sides um, as a social worker, former executive director, and now a government employee. She's seen it all, and she's here today to bring you some tips about working with the government so we can all reach our community goals together. So hi, Irene. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. I'm glad to be here and share a little bit about my story. Um, like you said in the intro, I've spent time on both sides. Um, I spent about 15 years in nonprofit. Um, and then just a little over a year and a half ago, went over to the government side of that. Um, most of my career has been spent in development, volunteer development, um, fundraising. And so uh, in terms of what I know now on the government side, you know, a lot of my experience, I've been able to translate that and, and, and use it on the government side. Nice. So I guess first off, if an organization thinks it, their mission's aligned with the priorities of either their city, their county, their state, or even the nation they live in, um, what should they do to bring their agency to the attention of that entity? I would say, you know, it's like what you do when you're trying to promote what your organization's doing just to the general public. Um where you want to direct that is towards the government side, and you might need to do a little bit of research. Um, part of it is building a relationship with, um, I would say, not only elected officials, but also various departments within your local um, city, state, national um, government agencies, um, and just to see, you know, what's out there. I would say that any nonprofit that um, is striving to for their mission, trying to figure out what that is. I think it's very important that you start to build relationships with your community. And the one thing that you have to think about working with governments is that they're supposed to respond to the needs of the community. Mm. So it's important that you continue just to build your relationships just like you do on the private side when you're working with foundations or corporations trying to get support from them. You have to also do that from your local government as well. Excellent. So once we've kind of made those relationships, started those inroads, um, does it make sense to just go after funding right away? Or should we work on some projects together for free for the good of the community? What what kind of makes makes a good relationship? Um, I would say that it it really depends on the situation. Mm -hmm. um, however, do your research. Yeah. Research the various departments you would work for. Research, you know, Google is wonderful. Nice. Um, a lot of um, government. Um, RFPs, requests for proposals, NOFAs, notice of funding availability, that's all online. And um, with government entities, they have to um, share, decimate that, decimate, disseminate, <laughs> sorry, that information broadly. Mm -hmm. So they um, sometimes post information in your local paper 
Um, I know the Chronicle of Philanthropy sometimes has different um, NOFAs, so that's another resource to look up. But look at those um, uh, various um, uh, NOFAs and RFPs. Um, do some Google searches, um, pick up the phone and call the division what? and say, hey, you know, I have this project. I'm looking for support. I'm looking for support from my local government. Do you know of any upcoming RFPs that are coming out? Or is there a department that we can partner with um, like you would do with um, foundations and corporations? Research, research, research. Nice. So kind of one question that popped into my mind is, so if an organization like is situated in maybe one county, but does work in another county, does it make sense for them to, to try to reach out to that other county and work with them on whatever issues they are, what they're working on? Or a lot of times, does that funding ever cross county lines to help? Or Yes, it, it, it does. <laughs> okay. um, and I would say that um, really to get to the heart of if you're serving someone from a different locality mm -hmm. is to collect data. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, before moving back to St. Louis, I lived in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And um, with Maricopa County, which is a very large county in Phoenix, there's at least 26 different city municipalities there. Almost as bad as St. Louis. Yes. <laughs> um, so um, the agency I used to work for um, was a regional agency. Mm -hmm. However, we received support from many of the different cities. Um, around there because we can demonstrate by collecting data that we serve um, people that were residents um, of that city. So we would receive grants from Scottsdale or Tempe um, because we can demonstrate and show um, through our data that, oh, we served, you know, um, in a calendar year, 100 people, 200 yes. people. Um, and we made a request to those um, various uh, city municipalities to be able to do that, and I would say that if you're gonna if you're gonna reach out across your boundary lines, mm -hmm. um, that you do want to research your mission and your activities and your population to see do you actually provide a service to that um, to that local city, and then you know, like I said, do your research, pick up the phone, ask them. You know, I provide the service. 50% of uh, the people we serve come from your town. Um, is there a way that you can support what we do um, through whatever grant, whatever, you know, it could be a service um, to start to build that partnership? So there, there's definitely an opportunity to cross your boundary lines to be able to do that. Because I'm sure that many nonprofits that um, listen to your show um, basically don't serve just one you know, local area, one zip code, it's oh, yeah. always crossing different lines. And so it just depends on how do you, how do you frame it to catch the attention of who that funder is going to be. Cool. So what should organizations know about getting grants through government entities? Are there special requirements? Is there something like, is there special magic dust we need to put on applications? What should we do? Um, I don't know of any magic dust. Okay. A lot of it's, you know, rooted <laughs> in bureaucracy. <laughs> so there's always going to be, you know, some sort of form, but it's really mm -hmm. specific to, um, I would even say that funding stream mm -hmm. because you have some communities that use local tax dollars. So they come up with their own requirements. Mm -hmm. um, you have some government entities um, that are passed through for the federal government. So 
um, uh, there's different requirements there. And so what you need to do is when you receive that request for a proposal or that notice of funding availability, typically they're very lengthy in general, mm -hmm. but um, if you look closely at it, you'll see that the regulations are embedded oh, okay. in there too. And you're going to want to research those regulations as well. To see what, what other bills were right around those. and Yeah, you know, because um, for my division, I work with the Homeless Services Division for the City of St. Louis. Um, we receive um, HUD dollars um, and two streams of that uh, for continuum of care funding and emergency solution grant funding, which all have their own regulations. Mm. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of information that comes in the NOFA, but we also have to look up what's behind um, all that and look at the actual regulation itself to make sure that we're compliant oh, yeah. um, in receiving those funds. So just because you have the NOFA doesn't mean your research is then there. You have to actually look up the regulations and make sure you understand it. Um, you also have to make sure that um, when you receive these funds and you're under contract or grain agreement that you're able to fulfill oh. what is required in that. Um, another thing to look out for is that if there is a requirement, um, and it could be that you have to subscribe to a, a certain way to collect data or, um, um, or you're mandated to do something just to receive these funds, also build that into your budget. Oh, okay. As well. That so, makes some good sense. Yeah. Cause, um, in a lot of government funding also requires some sort of match too. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're able to achieve that match. Don't double dip because mm -hmm. um, some government funding won't allow other forms of government funding. They want to see either private sources coming in. Um, some will, you can use volunteer time or in-kind time, but you have yeah. to look at the requirements um, for that funding stream. Wow. So it sounds like there's a lot around it. So when it comes to reporting and outcomes, uh, how strict are our government sources with, you know, what you got, you have to get done? If, what if you don't meet the marks you were hoping with your outcomes? Um, I, it really depends on the funding stream. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say that governments, um, their evaluation of programs and how you report outcomes are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. Um, the funding that um, that I help administer um, really comes from a national level in terms of what they want to see. They not only want to see how the projects are performing, um, but they also want to see what kind of impact you're having on the community. So one of the um, the items that um, our subrecipients have to collect in our continuum of care, because um, that's um, one of the funding streams I work with. Um, they are required to submit systems performance measures. Oh. So this is not just how the individual individual agencies are performing, but how your community is performing. That's really impressive. Yeah. And I, I would say that you're going to see a lot more of that mm -hmm. happen. Well, we'll see with this new administration, but yeah. that, <laughs> that's the way it was heading in terms of, you know, when you have a nonprofit, you want to demonstrate as a community what kind of impact you're having. And that's um, how I would say um, HUD wanted to use this funding is that there's not one agency that's going to end homelessness. It's a mm -hmm. collective of how your community works. And so that's why the system's performance are so important to demonstrate how effective we are 
in providing the services and seeing a reduction in homelessness. Excellent. So you kind of mentioned administrations. They do. They change all the time, don't they? Um, so even when it's within the same party, maybe it's a new mayor, a new governor, a new president, um, that means big changes to the people in charge. How should that inform the relationships you create while doing the work? Um, I or would, should it? <laughs> I mean, I would say that, um, it shouldn't based on the fact that, you know, if, if you're there serving the community, you're actually benefiting your local government. Mm -hmm. um, however, I know with new people coming in, new administrations, you got to do that education process all over again. Yeah. It seems. And I would say, you know, and that's, that's where I see a lot of nonprofits just um, really, where they really need to work to strengthen just overall. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you have a strong presence out there just in general, you know, at least there's name recognition that lends to that. And then when someone comes new in office, you want to talk about, you know, what what kind of impact you really have on the community there. And I think then it's just educating and then making sure they're bought in, just like you would do with any volunteer or donor. You want to make sure that they continue to support you. Um, I would say that, you know, with the funding that I work with, um, part of um, the, um, I would say, part of the conditions of that funding is that our community participates with the continuum of care. Mm -hmm. And that was a mandate by HUD saying okay. that if you're going to work to provide an impact to the community, you have to have, um, an, uh, I'd say a consortium mm -hmm. of people that people and organizations that really care about ending homelessness within your community and are willing to work together to figure out what those solutions are. Um, in your community. So that was built into the funding. Mm -hmm. um, but so you I, gave them the money to go to these meetings. <laughs> so, <which is> nice. <laughs> well, not so much because it was, you know, um, because it's competitive too. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, part of it is, and I would say um, even within the city of St. Louis and the St. Louis region, and I'm not only talking about the county city, we're looking at St. Charles Oh, Madison yeah. County, St. Clair County, um, you know, we're all echo echoing what that national best practice is. Mm -hmm. How do we become a community that supports housing first? Mm -hmm. How do we lower our barriers to ensure that people that need the service actually get into the service and our um, organizations aren't being a barrier to actually helping people? Because sometimes right. that does happen, unfortunately. And then how do we um, how do we work together to quickly get people um, to what that solution to ending homelessness is, and that's getting them into housing with the right supports around that. That's a whole system shift mm -hmm. um, that not only the St. Louis region has seen, but we've seen also nationally because there's data and evidence to support that if you get someone into housing first um, and you provide the appropriate supports around that, they're um, better able to rebuild their life to, you know, maintain their housing and never have to look back. Which is so nice. That, <laughs> That's what we want. And then here comes the evidence again that shows a cost savings. Ooh. To the community too. <laughs> um, and that's an important thing government mm -hmm. wants to see is how, how are you saving money for our community so that mm -hmm. we can direct these funds towards other things in the community, community that will enrich everyone's life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, normally you can catch the attention of someone in government 
if you can demonstrate your cost savings um, to the community and um, and definitely steps in how you how you do that. Excellent. So that data is really important then. Mm-hmm. Um, so every now and then you see people who suggest act- actively working in opposition to the government. You know, we've seen that here locally with some organizations bringing suits against, lo- against local governments to change their practices. Nationally, I know a lot of people with disabilities have made huge strides working against their local and state governments um, to, to just to provide more accessibility. Um, what role does that serve when, you know, actually trying to then maybe go for grants with those organizations and things like that? Or does it does it scare them away? What happens? Um, I would say it's very challenging mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you, you know, in a government when you sit in a government position mm-hmm. that you have to work with the entire community mm-hmm. and not everyone's like, oh, yes, solutions. Let's focus <laughs> on that. You know, there's some people that are really challenging, um, but it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to look at it from a different standpoint. I think one thing, and this is just my experience, that as humans, just in general, and governments need to do is to be active listeners. Mm. Um, a lot of times we want to just jump in and say, here's a solution to it, you know, and this is what we're going to tell you to do and you just have to do it. And I would say that um, a really effective government entity is one that can actually take the time to listen, to listen to the concerns, to, you know, hear what some of the problems are, and then to, you know, bring the person that has, or the organization that has the grievance to bring them in and say, okay, we hear you. How can we work together to fix it? Mm-hmm. And I, that's a lot harder yeah. <laughs> than saying, you know, than just saying, well, this is a solution. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because you want to make sure that everyone's bought in to what that end solution is. And so, you know, um, in terms of working with the government, I think um, being able to sit Hear the concerns. Don't get defensive right away. Mm-hmm. I think is very, very important. And when you can do that, then you can start focusing on what are those, what are those activities or what are those ideas that will really change, um, just change how the community approaches things. Um, same thing goes with social media. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and and I would say many people respond to a snapshot of what happens um, at that time. Um, a lot of this goes with the protests mm-hmm. that happen. You get this picture that looks really bad, but there's context behind that. Yeah. And I think the important thing, and this is important for nonprofit leaders, for anyone, is to not get so caught up in that snapshot, but to actually, you know, um, dig a little deeper to find out what really happened. Um, to find out what that true story is and then to always remain solution focused to say, okay, this happened. It wasn't a good thing. How do we move forward? How mm-hmm. do we work together to move forward? And I think that would um, definitely um, benefit everyone involved in the community. And if we can help governments to see it that way, work that way, it would definitely um, change how we do things um, within our community. Absolutely. Yeah, we definitely need more people listening, it seems like, on all sides of all issues so that we can work together a little bit better. So speaking of listening, what's the one piece of advice that you could give an organization that, you know, maybe wants to go for a grant with their local government or maybe wants to um, just start working on an issue that, you know, is important to them within the government? 
I would say, um, I believe in, and this goes with any kind of funder. I don't, I don't see, I really don't think you should treat a government funder any differently than you would treat a foundation or a corporate funder or even an individual funder. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically, your first interaction shouldn't be, hey, what kind of money can you give me? (laughs) And, you know, we get that a lot. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) But, you know, you can go into it saying, you know, I I know you work with this department or this division. Please tell me a little more about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically, a lot of the departments that work in government will do two things. Either they actually provide a service or they fund services. Okay. So you first have to determine when you're talking to that agency or that department within within government, you know, are they a direct service provider or do they actually fund yeah. services? And some do both. Oh, okay. And so it's kind of good to know um, if they do both because you could also figure out a partnership where you could work on the direct service side of it, but then also get funded as well. And everybody loves that, that sort of thing. Well, I think sharing clients and especially in, you know, different situations, you can, you know, you're, you're, you have two very similar, not competing direct services that you can pass people back and forth from and make sure that people are getting all the services that they need in their lives too, which is another good reason to partner with the government. Yeah. And, um, you know, and they have a lot of resources too. Yeah. And so you can't just think, well, I have this ask and this is the way it needs to be. Also mm-hmm. be open-minded of, enough to maybe see other opportunities. Um, because typically governments also have, um, with the city of St. Louis, we have our own TV station. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we um, work um, with the police department. We have various departments within um, city government, and it could be other partnerships that par- um, pop out oh, yeah. of that, too. So, you know, it's just when you go into those discussions, also be very open mm-hmm. um, because it might evolve into something that may be bigger than what you had envisioned before. And who doesn't love that? <laughs> I know. And that's typically probably the most exciting part of that. Um the other thing is, you know, a lot of times governments get um, really a bad rap. Like this government did this to this agency or to this person, you know, and, and I would say like in any situations, you have good um, incidences and bad incidences. Mm-hmm. Don't let that bad incident that maybe you heard third party mm-hmm. or you saw a snapshot of it on um, Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook or whatever, where someone posted something about it because they had a bad experience. You need to, you need to have that experience for yourself. And I would say, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask those tough questions, but you have to also be open-minded enough to um, really hear the other side of it because you're seeing one side of it, but you're Mm -hmm. not taking into the account maybe what the government or that other person sees. And so you really need to be, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to ask the hard questions, but you have to be open enough to also listen mm-hmm. and to hear the other side of it. And I know a lot of people have a really tough time doing that. Oh yeah. It can be really hard. Well, those are my tax dollars at work, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so thank you so much, Irene. I really appreciate you coming on and joining us today. Um, how, how should our listeners contact you if they want to get in touch maybe for more information or maybe to work with your department? Sure. Um, they can email me. Mm-hmm. And um, my email is Augustine I, A-G-U-S-T-I-N-I at 
S-T-L-O-U-I-S-M-O.gov. Um, or they can call me, 314-657-1702. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You can find her everywhere. <laughs> yes. I try to, you know, I try to be out there enough to keep a pulse on <laughs> what's going on. But, you know, with, with all those, you know, mediums and, and working in government, you get it from everywhere. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, you know, the other thing to remember for anyone that's looking for support or to work with government, people in government also have lives too. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, to be understanding, we also make mistakes. It's to be human too. Um, And, you know, we get passionate and we want to advocate, but you also have to know that there's humans behind that as well. And, um, you know, part of that is just being open enough to hear the other side of it. Um, and to continue to work for solutions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Irene, for coming on today. It was a good time talking to you, and we will see you soon. And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening, and remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.